This is CISO to CISO, a live podcast focusing on information security, leadership, innovation, and more. Brought to you by Altitude Networks, data security for the cloud. All right, welcome everyone. This is another edition of the CISO to CISO webcast podcast. I'm your host, Michael Coates, CEO and co-founder of Altitude Networks. And as I like to say, the reason I can be here in a CISO capacity, previously CISO at Twitter. Super excited to have Rohit Parcheri with us today, uh, CISO at Collective Health, many uh, years at ServiceNow, a great uh, history and security. Uh, Rohit, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah. So we're going to dive into some interesting topics today. Really excited to hear about cybersecurity with the lens of, of healthcare. Like we all think about cybersecurity, but it is very much specific to our companies and the worlds, the types of users, the types of information. And so exploring this uh, healthcare angle is going to be really neat. Uh, so can't wait to dive in on that. Um, and then for everyone listening, you know where to find our shows, the videos, um, the webcast on the Altitude Network's website. Hopefully you're listening via podcast, maybe subscribed. And again, these shows are sponsored by Altitude Networks. We tackle data security and cloud collaboration platforms like G Suite, Office 65, and more. If that's interesting, please check us out. With all that said, Rohit, let's dive in. So tell everyone, how did you get into the field of security? You are now a CISO. How did you end up there? Was that always your goal? Like, I'm going to be a CISO, you said, you know, at age four as you were running uh, out into the street. How did you find yourself there? Absolutely not. I would love to share my story, <laughs> though. <laughs> uh, this, the thought of security itself, you know, came to me really unconsciously. Uh, this goes back almost more than a decade when I was doing my bachelor's in science on uh, electronics and communications. So we were doing this thesis project. Uh, and me and my buddy were, you know, basically researching a few software programs uh, we had to install into our Verilog programming, which is more specific to electronics. Uh, so that's the blend of software and, uh, you know, electronics there. So when we're doing that, we stumbled upon something called a rootkit. Uh, back then, I didn't really know what a rootkit was to begin with. So uh, it was, I was amazed by its capabilities in terms of, you know, how it was able to manipulate the programs and tamper with the operating system processes. And for me, that was just, you know, uh, super awesome as soon as I saw that. And I knew, you know, there's a legitimate way of using the, the computer systems and the programs within, but I didn't know there was a different angle. And this kind of introduced me to that. And uh, for me, it was curiosity driven from then on. Uh, I was like, okay, I need to, you know, learn more about this. This is really cool. Um, and then, you know, I was searching for, you know, cor uh, different courses and, you know, different uh, training, uh, but I couldn't really find anything specifically in India back then. And cybersecurity was, you know, pretty immature, you know, we're, when we're talking about in 2000s or pre-2000s for that matter, right? Or actually 2000s to 2005, six is when, you know, I was actually thinking about this. And for me, since I didn't really, you know, get any help in that realm, I was like, okay, I need to go beyond, beyond the, and, you know, see if uh, there's, you know, opportunities outside in terms of learning to begin with. And that's what I applied for masters in, uh, you know, in, in a you know, school called DePaul University of Chicago. Uh, there were a handful of universities that were actually giving out the cybersecurity program into itself. And I was, you know, yeah, I was stoked. And, you know, there, that's how the journey began. And, uh, you know, from there on, I, you know, moved into Rackspace as a network uh, security professional. And I, I started off with the network security to begin with, and then I moved into application and product 
Um, and then now where I'm at is, you know, basically just trying to get a holistic understanding of security. Uh, never a dull day. It's, I think, the best decision that I've ever taken, for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't regret a single part of that. Yeah, I, you know, I think the, the newer batch of, of CISOs very much are in this vein of coming up through a technical track or two um, with a deep appreciation for the, you know, underlying security specifics. And then, you know, as you probably saw, as I did too, like that transition into like, all right, let's think about everything from risk. Let's think about this holistically uh, is, is certainly a, a mental journey and, and set of hoops to go through. That's so true. Yep, I totally agree with you on that. I think the the cybersecurity education is still lacking in a few places even now. Uh, but that's not to say that you know we don't really have a strong community that can actually help us bolster that uh, those capabilities in there. But I think cybersecurity as a function uh, or as a discipline, you know, still definitely needs more investment as a, as a community as an industry. But I think we're getting better for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh... Man, I mean, never a dull day is totally right. And a ways to go. <laughs> um, I would agree with that. So now for, for people that have listened and watched before, I guess more watched than listened, uh, they will recognize and remember that we, we travel on the uh, altitude jet all around the world for these calls and videos. So uh, each, each time we do these, we have the guest pick a place in the world to go. So uh, Rohit, where have you taken us today? Tell us a little bit about the the image in the background people are seeing. Sure thing. Yeah, I picked a, I picked a city called Hyderabad, and this is this happens to be my hometown. And the image that you see right right behind Michael's head there is uh, something called Charminar. Uh, so it's loosely translated as four towers. Uh, this is the landmark. You know when it's kind of representing Hyderabad. So Hyderabad itself is a place in southeast India. And, uh, and, you know, the reason I picked this is really going back to roots, uh, because this, this applies to everyone, right? We're the people that we are because of all the, you know, all the, uh, the people that helped us get here, uh, you know, the traditions, the culture that's embedded within us when we're, you know, doing certain things, the, the, the ethic and, you know, everything and how we interact with certain things in life. And for me, I just wanted to go back and, you know, showcase that, you know, this is where I, be this is where I began. And everything that I'm right now is, you know, because of that and high hold, you know, deep appreciation and respect towards that. And, you know, that's, that's really why I picked that. I like it. I like it. I also see there's a pretty thriving night market, which is always enjoyable to check out <laughs> in any city you visit in the world. Oh, absolutely. And in India, for sure. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people, a lot of activity happening all the time. And uh, yeah, and Hyderabad is not an exception to that. <laughs> nice, nice. So let's dig into, uh, you know, healthcare specific security. Um, when you're thinking about that, you know, what are some of the things that are fundamentally different or unique? Or, you know, as I, as we were kind of talking, you know, an area where you think about a lot is around, you know, supply chain. Like, how does that turn out to be so important for healthcare? Not that it's not important in other industries, but why the focus there and how is that unique? Oh, absolutely. I think I think this is definitely a big topic, right? But let me let me take a step back. And you did talk about the broader industry on how supply chain uh, itself is, you know, a pain point for us at this time. Uh, and this this has always been a pain point. Right now, I think we see more breaches and we see more adversaries, you know, towards this because there's there's more value that they actually get out of that. So 
taking a step back, right, Joe, it's, it's, a, it's a multifaceted problem, in my opinion. And uh, we're talking about, you know, different sectors within supply chain. We're talking about the vendors, the traditional vendors that we do business with us companies. And we got, you know, the, the business relationship uh, uh, partners that we interact with and also have some level of deep integration within our systems and processes. And then you also have open source. Right. I, I feel like a lot of times we don't talk about open source with this in the same breath as we yeah. do with, uh, you know, the, the supply chain. But I think they're open source is right in there. And if anything, I think it, it plays a vital part uh, when we look at it uh, from that generic kind of holistic point of view. And so looking at, you know, all these three things like, you know, when when you think about the vendor assessments or, you know, when you think about how you go about uh, reviewing the, the vendor systems before they make into your uh, you know, into your company. We currently, I think we still invest a whole lot in point in time assessments. In my opinion, I think that is, you know, we're kind of immature, you know, in terms of how we do uh, assessments there. Especially we talk about, you know, uh, we, we basically, you know, review the responses and, you know, we, we make a, an assumption that, okay, these are the controls that we need to have in place. And these are, you know, what we're asking the vendors to do, or maybe having our own compensating controls before we you know, go do business, but that's gonna change very soon, right? Uh, just given how fast you know, the development life cycles happen today, like every, every single day you have multiple commits to say the least. And, but our, you know, the vendor risk management process is still you know, very uh, in, in the back ages at this time. And we're, you know, if anything, we do a quarterly audits and you know, even that too, it's not, not a lot of companies do that. Uh, and you typically rely on those annual assessments so I think having, you know, the, the, the very fast pace of how the products are being evolved versus how you do the vendor assessments, I don't, I don't think, you know, there's a proper connection there. Uh, and also, you know, coming very specific to healthcare, you know, to your original question, for us, it's, it's really about, you know, our bread and butter really depends on our business partnerships. Uh, because that's how we, you know, manage the claims. We do the adjudication in terms of eligibility processing, health plans, et cetera. So that's, that's really, that's really the reliance that we have on our partners to actually, you know, make the business run smoothly and securely, of course, from my perspective, at the very least. Uh, so with that, with that in mind for us, you know, uh, when we talk about deep integrations, there are two ways of doing it. One is we have we, uh, we have a cloud system that we interact with, which happens to be a business partner in this case. And, you know, in, in a healthcare sense, that's really modern, right? Um, if you're a forward um, thinking uh, vendor or a partner in that case, and that's, a, that's where you would actually have a cloud service enabled, typically we don't get those, you know, those partners. And we, in, in a traditional sense, we have to install or deploy something in mm -hmm. our own environment. And we have to rely on that just given the antiquated nature of how the, you know, the systems and processes work in healthcare. And so there are two different things I wanna talk about, right? The first one, if you have a cloud system, there's more incentive to the partner because if there's a breach, for example, it's not just the customer being impacted, it's also them. So I think the incentive for them is to, you know, actually have a proper security, uh, you know, before they have, you know, something up, uh, you know, exposed to the internet. But it's not the same thing when you have something deployed as a binary or as a tool within your right. you know, own environment, right? There's no incentive, especially because your the way you do it, like if there's a breach, of course, in that in the same scenario, it, it's really affecting the customer, not really, you know, the, the partner. Again, don't make me wrong. I mean, partners are doing everything they can. 
I'm a supplier myself. I, I, I see myself both on both sides of the realm, a customer and also a supplier. So I think everybody's doing, you know, the, the best thing they could, but I think there has to be more done. And also there has to be better incentives, you know, uh, given towards the supplier uh, ecosystem that, okay, you know, this is how the regulation should be. And this is what the framework we need to follow, you know, in terms of how the security has to be enforced there. Uh, but also, you know, one more thing is we, we also have something called channel partners and channel partners are really, you know, trying to, you could think of them as resellers or, you know, white label partners how they're trying to resell the software. And in that case, there's a lot of data that's being transacted. And you know, when you think about healthcare, the first thing you think about is PHI. And that's absolutely right, right? Because PHI, within that, we're heavily regulated, both on the federal and on the state levels. And we, we are you know, obligated to have a, a strong data lifecycle pipelines. And this happens when you have you know, internal data, uh, for example, transacting within your own systems, Yes, you can have that, but what happens when it once it transcends beyond that, yeah. and I, that's really one of the biggest pain points that I've seen so far. Uh, you know, since I've been in healthcare, and it's not an easy thing to work. I think it's a very complex ecosystem. Uh, you know, in terms of both data classification and you know how you go about separating different environments, uh, and I think you know basics play a, a huge role when it comes to that. Uh, but we we can talk about that more. But you know, I you know want to start off you know with with the things that, you know, that are the pain points within that realm so far. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing you said at the beginning there really struck a chord with me of that comparison of how we think about vendor security assessments and how we think about like software security. Uh, and you're totally right. Like the old way of software security was like, let's do waterfall. Let's do a big release after, you know, X amount of months or years, let's do a big security gate. And that of course doesn't work anymore. Like, code shipped all the time. Security has to happen all the time, part of that uh, that continuous process. But you're right, the, the vendor security thinking is very much that old way. Like let's do one big review at the very beginning. And then for most companies, never again. <laughs> um, or to your point, maybe the better ones are doing it biannually, quarterly, but it's it sure doesn't speak to that continuous uh, risk and the continuous deployment they may be having and changing in their environment. Um, and that's fascinating. It makes so much sense when we say it out loud, but I hadn't even thought of it that way. I really like that that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know that's something that we're you know kind of assessing day in day out. Uh, just given within healthcare, we're also you know looking at the license violations, not just the open source vulnerabilities themselves. Uh, you know, when there's strong copyleft and copyleft licenses, those are something that we need to you know uh, have keen observation on how they're flowing through the systems, how they're being distributed either as a part of the software or something that's just used for internal tools. Those are all real good potentials for lawsuits and liabilities for the company. Mm. And something we certainly don't want to have, right? No, no company wants that. And I think one, having the visibility and coverage is where you can start off with at least, you know, knowing what the risk is to the organization. And then of course, the subsequent steps about, you know, thinking about what kind of remediation you need to have. But like you said, I think I can't stress enough on how we need to combine all these, you know, uh, typically, you know, we, we, we never had these, you know, this concept in the past, but we need to combine both the software and vendor and partner into the same realm and talk in the same breath when we talk about the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you've tackled that, have you found any kind of unique approaches or techniques that are working particularly well for you? I'm, even doing these assessments quarterly seems uh, challenging for anyone to do. So you must have found some way to make that that possible. 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't think there's an effective way or there's a perfect <laughs> way for anybody to actually tackle the supply chain. We're not there yet as an industry. And I'm not going to say I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm there at this point. No, I think we're working towards that. Uh, but few things that work for me specifically is, you know, I think when we're doing the assessments themselves, uh, questionnaires are really good for open-ended questions. It doesn't really talk about the specific controls themselves. I think having a call with the security team before we actually jump onto that, that happens to be one of the prerequisites that we have, you know, before we do the, you know, we approve the, the vendors or procure their systems or applications, for example. And we talk through, you know, different, uh, you know, criteria in terms of the build architecture, you know, the data life cycles and how they, you know, manage their own access controls and segregations, et cetera. So those are all, you know, something that we typically, you know, uh, put that into the contracts that go in. Uh, that really talks about the general program itself. The questionnaire really handles the SOC 2 certifications or HIPAA mm -hmm. or BAA, for example, right? That's all good for that. Uh, but also, I think really, you know, something that helped me with the findings themselves is having uh, a strong, you know, uh, a control in terms of right to audit. So if, you know, we, if we identify, you know, something in terms of, hey, within this infrastructure or within this environment, let's, let's keep it simple, right? Within this PHI environment specifically that we found, you know, you don't really have a mature data access policy. And that's something we would like to audit and see, you know, which systems are actually not adhering by that. And for that, we would, you know, say a right to audit is required. And that's something we'll mm -hmm. put into the contract, right? So that's really from an administrative policy standpoint. But from a technical standpoint, for me, uh, you know, something that helped me is, you know, to uh, gain more access to our data before it leaves our systems, which is, you know, technically we would have either a broker or some kind of a bash in our proxy setup in our environment, which could automatically help us with the URL filtering or stripping of sensitive mm -hmm. data before it re leaves our cloud. And that is more of a protective and a proactive control uh, before something bad even happens. And in, in that sense, we're actually reducing the risk and also transferring the risk, you know, more on our side where we have better control over that. Uh, but no, I think I think those are a few things that worked, uh, you know, for me. And also, I did, you know, talk about OSS, open source, and you know, it it wouldn't be right if I don't talk about the controls within that too. I think, you know, I think we're as an industry in the open source side, we are really good in terms of detection and visibility. We do have a number of tools that do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know, you know, how we categorize the risk, but not the other side. So this is, you know, based on my chats with the other industry leaders like yourself, what I saw is that the remediation and recovery of how, you know, how we're uh, tackling these issues is not, is not still uh, mature enough. And there's a lot of room for improvement there. Uh, just given there, we're relying on an open source, right? And by definition, open source is, you know, you don't really count on the open source because it's open source. And so you gotta have, you gotta know what that community serves and also, you know, how uh, effective they are when a, yeah. when a vulnerability comes up, you know, what kind of fixes go in and how fast they do. Uh, things like that, I think we're, we're not there yet. I think we should do more work in that realm. Uh, for us, you know, we have our own internal workflows that we set up, like if, you know, from the get-go, if we find something as a high risk, we would break the build. We would, you know, tackle that, you know, within the GitHub repo or DSCM itself before it even gets worse. And, you know, there, there are a few things I think there, there, you know, we have to balance security with the, with the business priorities, right? And that's where having some level of compensating controls helped us out. 
you know, such as, you know, WAF, uh, you know, implementation or, you know, some level of, you know, uh, control to the data uh, on the data itself uh, helped out. But yeah, I think those are a few things, you know, at least from a, from a technical administrative policy that it kind of helped us mm -hmm. out. Yeah, I really like what you said about that minimizing data movement. And I think mm -hmm. one thing that people get wrong with either vendor security reviews or third party or supply chain is the confidence that they get. Like you can do an assessment and you can see that they have some security controls some certifications. But to your point earlier, like things change a lot and you're not gonna be able to keep assessing. So while you might get some sense of whether or not they're doing nothing versus something, it still you know, is important for you as a company to say, well, let's minimize our potential exposure anyway. And I, I love what you're saying about that of like stripping data that doesn't need to go to them to protect it, like to take that responsibility. That's very much something that we were doing at Twitter too. When, when we'd have a third party relationship, there'd be a conversation over that specific data that's gonna go back and forth. And depending on how sensitive that was, there'd be a conversation also of, well, could we strip some of that out? Do we even need to give them all that stuff? And even asking that question, you'd be so surprised people like, oh yeah, they don't need that. We could, if that makes things better, sure. We'll just not send them that. Like, great, that makes things dramatically better. <laughs> Let's do that. That is so true. And also, you know, I think to point out, you know, when you're when you're stripping the data out, it's also so much important for you to, you know, have have a good understanding about what those what classification you have in house to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, before you can even go there, because it starts with really, you know, understanding what data you have and what what is supposed to or not supposed to leave your environment. And that's where the execution comes in. So I think, you know, that that aspect of things, I think we're 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 as an industry still working towards that. Like how do we effectively make those classifications important? And how do we have, you know, write tags in there, you know, to specifically mention about which data is supposed to leave or not. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now we're back to data classification policy. Like <laughs> we the whole the whole world. We can go very deep on so very true. exciting technical things and pull it all the way back to how policy actually does matter. <laughs> that's so true. Yep. Fascinating. So the channel partners, the, the third party, the vendors, I see how that kind of has a, a big play, especially as you're saying in, in healthcare. Are there other elements that you were surprised kind of had an outsized impact in the, in the healthcare space or even how you talk about your security program, maybe internally or to your leaders or stakeholders? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the supply chain, if anything, is a big topic to be discussed. And it's broken down into different segments, right? It's not just an application security problem. It's not just a network security problem. It's about one thing that really helped me, you know, especially since the solar ruins happened, and that's mm -hmm. you know a leverage that I could use and more power to security practitioners, right? I'm not saying it's you know it, it, it's 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 bad, of course, you know, for things like that happen. But also there are lessons to be learned so that things don't, you know, the, the copycat attacks that would happen right after mm -hmm. that, you know, we, you know, we don't encourage that. For me, uh, I think getting basics right, really doubling down on the basics really helped me, uh, you know, convey the story right to the board and also to our executive team that why this matters, what's the benefit, and we can't really calculate the ROI for security, right? I mean, the metric system exists, but the ROI for security is, you know, it's just a concept that doesn't exist. Uh, but what you can do is forecast on the risk. You forecast on the metrics and you figure out, you know, what factors kind of contribute towards that risk equation. And for me, that was, of course, you know, how do we implement, you know, the right level of access controls? This could mean the, the principle of least privilege or privilege access management. And this could be a combination of tools and workflows for that matter. Uh, but also segmentation. 
right? Because we're talking about the PHI very sensitive data. And although we have the data classification, like we spoke about, you know, just before <laughs> this, we have to isolate those into different environments. And also there's a strong requirement for us within healthcare that we have to de-identify uh, de and anonymize data. And that those have to be specifically in different environments. And those are both the com compliance and also contractual obligations for us. So although we have you know, strong controls and you know, uh, checks and balances in terms of how we do that, uh, tying that back into network and service segmentation uh, was something that we didn't have before and something we are working towards at this time. <clears throat> uh, and also you know, making sure uh, where you know, our data is hosted itself, right? We currently have AWS uh, and we have, you know, a certain systems that are actually using, you know, processing the data and we have ETL pipelines, for example, mm -hmm. you know, to transfer from an unstructured to a structured data. And, and this is all, you know, sensitive in nature. So for us, you know, making sure we have the right configuration set up on these tooling uh, and also how to enhance on the telemetry and traceability, you know, when things go bad, how are you going to detect it? How are you going to respond to it? And this, you know, ties into the incident response again. That's a big topic we could, you know, discuss another day. But it's it's just, you know, it's just important for us to convey the story and put the storyline in perspective to the leaders that they understand, you know, what's the point of entry, and how does that, you know, if if a bad actor is actually within your network or infrastructure, like what exactly are we talking about in terms of, you know, financial impact, the customer impact. Uh, you know, compliance impact, et cetera, right? And the response is not, you know, for, for us, for healthcare specifically, you know, the, the response is really burdensome uh, if something bad happens. Uh, we're not only dealing with, uh, you know, the incident in question, but also we're dealing with how we respond to the FBI, the, the local mm -hmm. and federal, uh, you know, agencies, OCR for that matter, and also have that constant engagement with them, you know, to you know investigate and identify what the what the impact itself is. So all these, you know, kind of bundled into a single story, and you know, talking about you know what where do we you know if something bad happens, right? Something like solar winds that scale, then what exactly are we looking at from that impact standpoint? The reputational damage we would have as a company, the brand impact it would be, you know, having on collective health, like specifically talking about my company. Uh, and also, you know, how, how this kind of, you know, uh, propagates into our partner networks, like mm -hmm. spoke about channel partners, because that's all the pivot point that an adversary would need, right? One point where they could laterally escalate across all the different systems if you don't have the right control set up, like segmentation and all that. So I think that if anything, definitely, you know, uh, more, uh, I think there was more awareness there's more applicability in how things would happen and also bringing it closer to home in terms of, you know, how it would affect healthcare and my company uh, definitely, you know, uh, put a mark on that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And uh, the, you know, the notion of security basics, you know, man, it, when we say basics, it sounds obvious and easy and something you should, of course you should do just, of course, why not? But so many things are covered by just doing those basics, right? <laughs> And it's not that it's hard to do the individual item. It's hard to do it everywhere, all the time, you know, at scale. Uh, and that's where, like, like, sure, there's the basics and then there's maybe a zero day. And the zero day definitely changes things. But the basics still contains that blast radius. It contains all sorts of factors. And it's hard to do the basics right, but it makes such a big difference. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, I think you 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 tapped on one one very specific uh, statement there. So basics in terms of intent, but not by not in terms of effort. Effort is a lot <laughs> when you're thinking about basics, right? That's a 
if you're thinking about a foundational element, you know, uh, it's it's a lot of work to define that, design that, architect that, and also make sure you're, you know, you have some kind of an upkeep and maintenance going on. It has to be iterable. Uh, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't go anywhere. So I think, you know, that's where cyber resilience really, you know, relies on. And I think, you know, we should definitely get you know better on the basics, you know, when we're thinking about that realm. And supply chain, you know, definitely is, <laughs> is a is a big thing. You know, if we don't have those basics, you know, enabled, then you know the the impact is only going to grow. Great, 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 great. Now, any any big topics we missed um, on the healthcare security front? I want to make sure to also give you a chance. Everybody that's listening always loves to get those nuggets of like, how can they find themselves in your shoes one day? But before we go there, anything that we that I missed that you wanted to make sure to touch on? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, if anything, we're in healthcare, we're more focused on our, uh, it's more inside out, I would like to say. Uh, mm -hmm. Although there's an external engagement with our clients and members, but there's also a lot of work that's unseen that has mm -hmm. to be done to actually deliver the security, you know, by default and by design to our customers. And, you know, it's funny, people say security is a thankless job. I don't completely believe that, but <laughs> sometimes, you know, when you're working, you know, it's like an iceberg, right? You don't really see the, the below part of it, but that's mm -hmm. where the work is being done. And healthcare, you know, happens to be that way where, you know, having these relationships with all the external entities, uh, I'm not just talking about the business partners in this case, I'm also talking about the broader ecosystem where we run our systems like AWS for that matter, you know, what kind of pipelines and processes do we have set up and how they interact with all the, the client uh, relevant systems and partner relevant systems. I think having all that, like having a, a view in terms of, you know, what, what is the market perception on security specifically for your company? And also how does the board uh, view uh, different priorities, you know, from a healthcare standpoint? And this is not just PHI, right? How we want to go do business and are we, you know, tackling, you know, federal, uh, you know, uh, federal re regulated programs, for example, that itself would open a can of worms when you think about security. And I think having a notion about you know how you think ahead uh, about you know things that are gonna you know come into your business matrix, and also thinking about you know what are uh, specific things that you need to rely on from a security standpoint and convey the story would be the right thing to do, and educate the board members. I think that's where for me that really has helped out a whole lot. Educate them on what security you know uh, what what kind of posture do we currently have and where we need to go. And, you know, make use of the right frameworks, you know, make use of, you know, the compliance as a foundational element for you to actually get things done. That's a great lever, uh, in my opinion, uh, to use it. Uh, I think these are all the little things you need to start doing. And I, I, like we like we spoke about the basics, right? You know, I can't emphasize enough on that. You got you got to have the basics right. You got to figure out, you know, if you're if you're running through frameworks or, you know, if you're running through HIPAA or HITRUST, for example, don't just look at it from a you know, from a generic administrative uh, standpoint, but also bring it down to a level where it's technical and logical enough uh, for you to make those uh, enforcements or deployments within your environment. Uh, and that is one thing that actually gives you the confidence. You know, if something, you know, if, if something is not you know, right, or, you know, if, if you, something has been detected, you know, within your incident response, for example, you at least, you know, to some degree, you know that you know we we have the right controls in place and at least you know the blast surface like you said the blast zone itself is not too bad and something you can control mm -hmm. yeah yep well said well said agreed all right so jumping back to that last question then what is your advice somebody's 
somebody's just now entering the security field. They're saying, I've got this long career ahead of me and I do want to be a CISO one day. How should, how should they think about getting there? What did you wish you knew when you started out? That's a great question. Uh, I wish I knew a lot of things <laughs> and everybody would, of course, because you know, the, the market is changing so rapidly. It's an exponential mm -hmm. change in how security operates. And no matter you know, what I say now, it's gonna change for sure you know, in the years to come. So take, definitely take this with a grain of salt. For me, you know, I think you know, security is a very, very broad field. Although you know, people reference security as say security encryption, right? That's not it. That's the security true. is That's really, true. really broad. And be very, uh, if you really have the passion towards it, that's when you come into security, please. Otherwise don't, uh, because it's, it's I, I don't wanna say that it's a stressful job, but not a lot of people manage the stress in, in an effective way. And there's a lot of things you need to, you know, think about when you actually come into security. So if you really have the passion, if you really, you know, wanna do the right thing, uh, please do, but also be narrow, uh, you know, narrowly focused about the things you wanna accomplish. Uh, this could be, you know, you, you want to be specific on the network security side or operations or, you know, application engineering, security engineering, et cetera, but be very specific about that. And also one thing that helped me uh, is having a strong support system and a mentor system, right? Uh, I wouldn't be the person I am right now without the mentors that I had along the way uh, really helped me. And the security community is, you know, super awesome. Like, you know, any, any question that I have, they're very open to talk about things that they've implemented or things you know that could help me, uh, you know, get my job done right. So you know, reach out to people. You know, follow the thought leaders in the space. Uh, you have many people, and I can recommend you know this to you offline. Uh, and I follow that. Like to this day, I follow a lot of you know uh, a lot of people in the industry, and I'll get all the all the bites you know from them whenever I get a chance. So reach out to people, you know, use LinkedIn, you know, kind of platforms, reach out to them, you know, ask the right things. And if, if you know, if, if people come to me, I'm, I'm more than open to, you know, talk about the things, you know, that I've faced and also how I can help them out or at least point them to resources that could help them out, you know, if I'm unable to answer that. And I believe everybody does that. Uh, so think about that. And also one thing, you know, when you, when you actually make it into security, right? When you're at a company, right? Uh, the, I think the notion of security has always been that, you know, we're the blockers, we're the, we're the policy agents. We don't really, you know, get the job done. We don't really, you know, let the business move forward. Uh, that's not true, right? That's absolutely not true. I think, you know, we, we're just like other, you know, other uh, business leaders or other business folks at the company, we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to report the risk, but also we rely heavily on people who are executing on it. So I think one thing that we could do, you know, uh, and this is something, you know, for people coming into security is that be empathetic, uh, be aware uh, about, you know, the things that are happening within the company. Security is not the, you know, only goal for, for a mm -hmm. business. There are a number of things that have to happen. So think about that, you know, when you actually, you know, go into discussions uh, with different team members and have, being an empathetic, you know, business person than, you know, being a specific security practitioner would be really helpful in your career as you go along. This is where you would actually build the bridges. This, way, this is where you would actually have, you know, a place where you can actually talk about your problems, but at the same time, you know, uh, focus on the right things that business needs to do. If there's no business, there's no security. It's as simple as mm -hmm. that. So try to align with the business goals as much as possible. And you got to fit security into the business goals. It's not the other way around, if, if anything. So I yeah. would, yeah, I would, I would focus on that to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, totally agree. The, 
that notion of like make the business successful. Um, there's no security without a business. I man, could totally agree. Uh, and a really good point too about the the kind of mental space, like being able to put it all in perspective and understand um, <clears throat> you alone cannot prevent the company, you know, from having an incident, but you can set structures and frameworks and policies that all help. But if you try and put it all on your shoulders, that can be incredibly uh, overwhelming. And so, yeah, getting your headspace about it is important. Absolutely. And also one thing I can't stress enough is the, you know, the burnout is real for sure. Right. But also, you know, I would say that just take it easy. Right. Because this is, uh, this is the path I've been in and there's always going to be security issues. It's, you know, like they say it, it's a journey. It's not a destination. That's, that is so true, especially within security. And it's, it's really about how you prioritize those and, you know, tackle the big fishes before you get to it. There's always going to be problems. And that's why we have the jobs too, right? Uh, or else we wouldn't. So, you know, it's take, take it with that, take with that. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, just having that sense of, you know, uh, awareness that actually will help you, you know, get, get the job done right. Agree. Well, I think that's a, that's a fantastic spot to, to end on. Uh, Rohit, thank you so much for all of your time and your wisdom shared today. Um, and for everyone uh, watching or listening, you can find other uh, episodes at out. Uh, altnet.to slash CISO um, or on your podcast platform. Um, but again, really enjoyed your time and thanks so much for sharing it with everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for giving me the stage. Thanks everyone.